0: And time for another edition of The Difference, presented by Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell, talk radio host, podcaster, writer, just all-around good guy, joined by the president and CEO of Annex, as we are every week. Dave Spano joining us. Dave, how you doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Extraordinary. You forgot... Podcaster extraordinaire. Yes, you are a podcaster extraordinaire now. No, you. you oh, I. You am. I. Uh, uh, podcaster. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll. I will humbly accept the title of podcaster extraordinaire. So, a, a phrase that is kind of on everybody's lips, but I, I don't think people really understand it. Dave is the inverted yield curve. Now, amateur yeah. investors and people who just sort of follow money—it uh, was a big headline on the Drudge Report last week. They kind of think they know what it means, but maybe not really. Break it down for us. Yes, I, I'm
1: glad that it's getting pressed. You know, we've been looking at this indicator for decades, and I remember uh, back in '98, '99, it happened. Uh, it happened before the 2008 crisis and the reason why everyone pays attention to it is generally it has been an indicator of a slowing economy. Why is that? The Federal Reserve can control the short end of the bonds. So they can control daily money, they you know one month, 3 month, 1 year so forth. And they can control it. And so if they raise interest rates to for example 2%, but in the long term which is controlled by the bond market is less than 2%, say a 10-year or 30-year might only be 1.5%. Short-term rates are higher than long-term rates, and that's called inverted. And and that really suggests that we're going to have a slowing economy and at some point. And it has been a precursor for a recession in the past. There has been inverted yield curves, and recessions have been tied together. Now, here's a caveat. Not all inverted yield curves lead to a recession, but all recessions have had inverted yield curves. So we pay attention to it. I know the Drudge had it. Everyone had it. Wall Street Journal had it. But we pay attention to it because we're concerned that maybe in six months, nine months, a year and a half from now, we're going to have a slowing economy and perhaps a recession, and that's tied to bear Well, pockets. and
0: that's— Doubly bad because obviously we've got the worst inflation that we've seen what in forty years. Consumer price index yep. at record highs, producer price index at record highs, and this is raising serious fears about you know the return of stagflation, which we haven't seen since what the late nineteen seventies. Yep, for sure. And so
1: stagflation, stagnant economy with inflation—that's a bad. That's a really bad uh, combination. There is some conversations happening that the Federal Reserve is totally aware of what they're doing in inverting the yield curve. We'll have to find out because right now the bond market raised those interest rates on the short term. The Federal Reserve hasn't done that. So the bond market may be doing the work for the Federal Reserve by raising rates on their own. The Fed has only said they're going to raise rates. They raised them 25 basis points, which is one-fourth of 1% and said they're going to do it for another six or seven or maybe even eight times. And maybe next time they get together, it might be a 50-point raise. Well, all of that suggests that they're trying to control inflation, which sucks, right? Because you go to the grocery store, and of course you have to pay more, and that's obvious to everybody. You go to the gas station. In fact, Dan, I was down in Chicago this past weekend, and I paid five and a half flipping dollars for a gallon of gas. And you'd say, oh, hey, big bucks, Mr. Big Bucks, that's not going to bother you. It pissed me off, I have to tell you. Five and a half bucks per gallon, and I got a big SUV. It adds up. It's over $100. So imagine the effect that that has on people who don't have right. income means. Who, who I mean, that really is
0: a tax system. It's crushing them. Well, and not just that. I mean, you've got a record high number of people on Social Security right now. You've got people who want to retire. You've got people who want to get on that fixed income because after a lifetime of work, they see as, OK, now it's time to travel. Now it's time to play with the grandkids and all of that. Maybe buy a condo down in Florida. I mean, you're seeing because of the price of everything just skyrim I mean, we're not talking yep. I mean the thing is we're not talking about uh, you know just prices going up by a little I happen to look you know my mom uh, she's she bristles at the kind term snowbird yeah. because she is a resident yeah. of Florida now but we were just for you know what's and giggles taking a look at what her house which she bought uh, 2012 2013 is worth it has doubled in value. Yep. I mean, you yep. talk about people who are retiring right now; they're not able to get in Florida real estate. Now, she's of course in Naples. We like to joke that she's in the ghetto of Naples because, Maple yeah, well, well it's the ghetto of Naples is like five million dollar homes as opposed to the twenty million. My mom doesn't <laughs> live in that one. That's why we call it the ghetto of Naples. You know, it's a couple miles from the beach and and you know, nice. You know, I would say upper middle class neighborhood. You would drive into it, you think, okay, yep. you know, this is a nice new Berlin neighborhood in Southeast Wisconsin. Yep. The house has doubled in value. Every yep. house around it, and it's them. just the demand. The, well, right, and, it's the, yeah, and but, there's no supply. There's no supply of houses.
1: There's no supply. Right, and you know what happened is you know when you used to go down there and your your mother will know this, and as you know, we have exposure down in Southwest Florida and particularly in Naples, we have an office there. but what has happened is you used to go down there, and it was primarily midwest yeah. so you would see license plates from Wisconsin and Illinois and Michigan and Ohio, and so forth. Now you see them, and they are New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts and new york and what 's happened is there was so much demand. On the other side, right, on the ocean side where where the East Coasters used to go, to this side, and now you're seeing a demand from that marketplace, and that has really taken up uh, all of the supply. If you go to Zillow, it's hard to find a spot, and if you do, it's really expensive. That housing is one of the definitions of inflation, so you look at it and how the CPI is calculated. It's called rental equivalency. That has gone up, but more importantly, Dan, Go to the grocery store, which everybody has to do, and, you know, people are not buying bacon anymore, or are buy, not buying these things that have gone up substantially because of inflation, and you can blame, and you know, the, what I love about this podcast, it's the inter, it's the intersection between economics and politics, and this is where I throw you the baton. There is a lot of blame to be had on why we have inflation.
0: Well, there certainly is, and... I- Frankly, I think it's the heart of disingenuousness for the president to call this. They've been trying for the better part of what, a month and a half now to call this the Putin price hike, the Putin price hike, the Putin price hike. If you haven't heard it enough, it's the Putin price hike. They're, they're trying to blame everything on Vladimir Putin. I, I, Biden came out yesterday or uh, a couple days ago uh, last week and said, well, there are two reasons that we've got inflation. The first is COVID. The second is Vladimir Putin. Uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. We've injected trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars into our economy. When even you had the liberal economist, um, Larry Summers, who's the Treasury Department secretary. He was was one of the first guys who said it, too. He 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 said this. I've got the column in the Washington Post, February 4th, 2021. Two weeks to the day after Biden took office, they're already talking about we need another $1.9 trillion in stimulus. Summers is saying, hey, wait a second. We've got a recovering economy. You're going to overheat it. You've got to keep inflationary pressure down. Nobody listened. Do you know what we got? We got uh, the Biden administration saying, and I've got the soundbite that I play on my radio show all the time. One of their spokespeople, said, we've got Janet Yellen as our Treasury Secretary, with apologies to Larry Summers. Janet knows a little something about dealing with mm. inflation. I mean, just the sheer arrogance. Mm-hmm. And do you want you yep. want some proof positive that this was government's doing? Just It's the old Milton Friedman helicopter drop of money. For those who aren't familiar with the metaphor, the helicopter drop. Imagine a helicopter just starts dropping $100 bills, and people collect the money. When they start spending it in the community, prices will go up. This was the biggest helicopter drop in history when you go back all the way to March of 2020, all the stimulus. The economy's recovering. People need to get back to the workforce, and all of a sudden we're incentivizing people going Staying on the couch, staying out of the workforce, and we're giving them all sorts of money. So demand is way up. Supply, because of a supply chain crunch and a labor shortage, is keeping the goods and services that the demand is way up for down. So as soon as the checks go out, we saw inflation immediately pop up. It was April of 2021. It goes to the highest level since the Great Recession of 08. The next month, May, it goes to the highest level in 30 years. The market was clearly responding to the sudden influx, the helicopter drop of cash.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and that's, you know, it was manna from heaven that this money came down and people spent it. It was demand for goods more than it was for services. So, demands for stuff, whatever, Pelotons or, you know, a new couch or something for your house, that was demand for goods. And now we're going to start seeing a demand for services as people, as the COVID recovery happens and people start to travel. This is the issue. The Federal Reserve has two jobs all it 's commonly known as a dual mandate. One of them is to get jobs and everyone back to an operating economy where people have jobs internationally you've got you 've got three point seven three point eight percent right there at the all time high of unemployment and so people have jobs, so now they 're going to shift. Their uh, focus to the other job, the other mandate, and that is controlling inflation. And how do they control inflation? They raise interest rates and trying to slow down the economy. If they're going to raise interest rates to try to slow down the economy, how slow does it have to get? How can they get to what's called a soft landing? Good luck trying to slow the airplane down so it comes down and it doesn't bounce, doesn't crash into the into the uh, airstrip. That is what they're going to try to do, trying to slow down the slow down inflation because it feeds on itself mm-hmm. and feeds on itself, and you have this spiral. You have a wage spiral, and it doesn't
0: slow down, Dan. And that is the reason why they have really they have a tough job. Inflation. Yeah, they they really do. I, I want to get into what they're sort of doing incrementally in just a sec, but I got to tell you, Annexwealth.com the place you should go, because there is so much uncertainty with inflation, with the yield curve inverting. We don't know what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, we've got a massive election that's going to set tax policy for the next couple of years coming in November. So all of this is a reason to head to AnnexWealth.com. But you talk about the Fed just sort of raising rates incrementally. Uh, There is some sense that this is going to get inflation under control eventually but i haven't heard a single person say oh yeah by the end of 2022 inflation is going to be down to normal levels this is something that's going to happen for a while
1: yeah, for sure. You know, there are analysts who are saying a more normal inflation number like 4 to 5%, but we've been, you know, as as we know when we came out of the great financial crisis and that administration tried to do what they could, they never got the economy going. It was a muted recovery. Right. And now things have spiked up and you you put it politically where you want to put it, but things started to roll pre-COVID, and now you've got this issue happening right now. So you go and say, all right, what is what is happening here? You've got COVID, as you talked about. You have inflation, and oh, oh, by the way, we have a war, and we have no idea what Putin is going to do next, and trying to handicap that is crazy, and that's the reason why all of
0: this risk has been in the market. Yeah, we've seen Putin apparently pulling back from Kiev, but the thinking is that he's regrouping for a bigger attack. You've got Biden saying he should go on trial for war crimes, which every time it seems that Joe Biden opens his mouth, whether it's saying that Putin needs to be removed from power, whether he needs to go on trial at the Hague, it seems like he's sort of escalating things. You've got Weirdly enough, for the anti-war left, some of the loudest voices for direct NATO and U.S. involvement uh, coming from the political left and the Democrat Party, perhaps. By, you know,
1: I don't know if you saw this, Dan, I hate to interrupt, but there are people from Ukraine who, you know, when they interview these folks and say, you know, you know I know the United States and NATO doesn't want to have a bigger war and they've said, too bad, it's here. Yeah. It's already upon well, us. It's a us. It's well, a so. it's
0: a bigger war for them. But when we're talking about the possibility of this creating World War III, you've got to tread way lighter. And b- b- believe me, believe me, I do not fault Ukraine. If my city was getting bombed, I would want as many countries involved as possible. But the reality of World War, you want to talk about white markets being totally wiped out by that. Uh, that's right. that's the that's the real fear, and, and we're and we're not we're not suggesting
1: that. What we're suggesting as a wealth management firm is to go through it. and understand there are sectors that do better as a, as the economy slows. Theoretically, staples, you because know, you still got to go and buy toilet paper and toothpaste and so on and so forth. So staples generally should do okay. Utilities, for example, people are still going to power and heat their homes. But things that may not do well, perhaps, would be discretionary stocks because they're discretionary. All of this goes into the whole environment of going through your portfolio, knowing what you own. And that's not just on the stock side. It's also on
0: the bond side. And that's why we always say, you got to know what you own. you got to know why you own it. And we are here every week on The Difference to help you, well... No. The difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell. He's Dave Spano. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax legal or investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.